So podcasting is hot. A recent report puts the number of podcasts at just over 750,000, though the number that deliver a new episode each month is below 25%. It turns out podcasting isn't easy. This is Steve with Interprep.com, the radio show prep service, and in this episode I talk to Mike Cation, a former news director who left radio for tennis broadcasting and is now podcasting as well. I talk with Mike about working with a co-host who has no broadcast experience, the equipment he uses to record a show that has no studio, and we get to meet his cat. From Interprep.com, this is the Interprep Podcast. So Mike and I worked together for a number of years in the same building. He was news director. I was doing the morning show. Still am doing the morning show. But then Mike left for a career in tennis. Yeah. Mike, uh, how's your tennis game? Uh, It's it's terrible. Um, (laughs) I'm old, Steve. Um, And when you get old, everything kind of breaks down. Um, And so, yeah, in terms of the playing side, it's not great. But, you know, the voice is still there. Okay, and that's what's important because you actually broadcast tennis. Exactly. Yeah. It's so uh, it, for me, it's just a, it's been easy. I, I never played at the highest level um, in, in terms of actual playing. I was recruited um, by some smaller colleges, and I just kind of kept being involved in the sport. But um, the, that that was one of the difficult transitions for me is that uh, I didn't have the high level understanding of tennis like a lot of the former players do in in the broadcasting world. So I had to learn that. But um, the players have all been very friendly in that regard and just kind of working with me to teach me a little bit more about higher level strategy, more so than what a you know you and I might do might do and and uh, act out when we play at a, at a local court yeah so as long as i knew you you had a love for tennis you had an interest in tennis mm-hmm. and then you decided to go full-time into tennis uh, how did that transition happen yeah i don't know if you would remember this steve when we were working together so i actually i what's funny is if i had been still doing radio i don't know if i would have taken this job um, but I, I actually worked for about five months for a nonprofit in town, and it was this little transition period where I was without a broadcast outlet for about three or four months. Um, and then somebody approached me and said, hey, they're looking for somebody to, to do some um, streaming work with tennis. And I was just itching. It had been four months of, frankly, a, a little bit of depression, like the withdrawal from being on the air. And so they said, would, would you be interested in doing this this broadcasting for essentially what is AAA baseball except for tennis? And I said yes. Um, and I, I don't know if I would have said yes had I still been working for the radio stations. Um, but so they that was May of um, or June of 2013. Um, then about a week or two later, the first week of July in 2013, I was suddenly on the air after having never done um, an actual tennis broadcast by myself before. Um, and that first day, I did six matches by myself, and that's kind of how it all started. And, of course, the reason that uh, we're talking today here on the Interprep Podcast is because you've launched a side podcast yeah. that uh, is approaching uh, something like 50 episodes. Yeah, we're right around 50 right now. Um, we've just kind of, I just have transitioned into um, adding a co-host over the last a month and a half or so. Um, they've been. It's it's been a pretty unique opportunity for me to interview players uh, at lower levels of of the sport, and we're kind of doing that now on a grander scale. Uh, I joined with joined forces with a player who really wanted to kind of tell the same stories. So it's it's been a lot of fun. So Mike, how did the podcast come about? Um, boy, it was November of 2017. Um, I found myself. Uh, talking to players a lot uh, off off mic and they just always felt that they never had an opportunity to talk about 
some of their some of the issues that are important to them, um, whether it be finances, whether it be how difficult their travel is, or how they feel disrespected um, by commentators. And these are players, the ones that I work with on a um, much more regular basis, are all guys who are ranked somewhere between seventy five and two hundred in the world. And so, it, you know, it's one of those guys that, frankly, Federer beats up on um, in second or third round, but every once in a while puts a scare into Federer or Djokovic or knocks off a top 10 guy. But a lot of them just felt that they never had an opportunity to talk about the things that were important to them when they were on an ESPN or a Tennis Channel broadcast. It would be McEnroe or someone else just saying, well, this guy doesn't have a chance. Um, let's switch to a different court. And so I just wanted to see if my vantage point being able to work with them on a more regular basis um, see if that would be the, an appropriate outlet to give them um, their voice and now the podcast like I said is involved uh, evolved with a co-host named Noah Rubin who had been a, a guest a couple of times on the podcast he actually started um, if uh, Steve I don't know if are you familiar with uh, humans of New York the Instagram page yes I am okay so he started something along those lines except with tennis players called behind the racket and it would just take their picture of them their face behind the strings of a racket um, and then he would ask them what's been the biggest challenge and so some of these players have said things like you know i had a stutter and i that's why i never did any interviews um talking about mental health and depression and so it's been very much in line with what i had been trying to do with the podcast and so we just decided to kind of start doing this on a regular basis um and so we started that about well in early june and, and now it's been a regular thing that we do every Sunday or Monday. You know, you did what I think a lot of morning shows and good programmers will do or should do, and that is you're the core talent. You're the bus driver. But then you looked around and you saw local talent, for lack of a better word, yeah. someone who may not have good broadcast experience but had knowledge and had experience, and that's who you chose to partner up with. Yeah, and I wasn't really looking for a partner, but he said, listen, um, and, and this is to his credit because he's 23, he's young, yeah, um, and like you said, he doesn't have any broadcast experience himself, but he said, listen, I, I want to kind of go in-depth a little bit more about some of these issues that we're raising with Behind the Racket. Um, it's been a lot of fun and he's gotten a lot better in terms of, um, being more succinct with his answers and, uh, kind of leading into me. And, and it's been, it's been fun watching him as, and I'm sure you've done this before as well, watching him grow as a broadcaster, uh, w within just a month. Um, talk about some of the challenges of launching the podcast. Right. Um, the biggest challenge for me, uh, well, first off is the technical side, um, because I don't have a studio, um, that I can kind of count on. Um, when I'm t doing my television, internet-based streaming um, broadcasting, that's headsets going into, you know, towards towards a television, so it's all digital stuff that, frankly, I don't understand. So I needed to be able to um, do the, the technical, the equipment stuff myself. So I've, um, I, originally I was doing it on my phone and doing a couple lav mics. I've now switched to a Tascam um, personal recorder, which has really good quality. I've got a couple of Shure microphones. Um, so the technical equipment side was um, challenge number one for me. Um, challenge number two has been trying to find that niche um, and, and one that, that somehow is successful. Um, I, I know that specifically tennis is is obviously niche as it is within the sport of tennis there is nobody who's been giving like i said these guys who are ranked 75 to 200 nobody's been interviewing them giving them their voice so then i i was able to just kind of say hey that's that seems like it's a really good opportunity how can i do that um 
So then that that's another thing, but then it's a matter of growing it, how to make it more relatable to even an average tennis listener. Um, because I think a lot of them will be thinking about Serena, will be thinking about Federer, will be thinking about um, Madison Keys, Sloane Stevens. Um, they won't be thinking about a guy named Bjorn Fertangelo, who's been right around that 120 mark for the last three years. Um, so it, it's been a matter of marketing. It's been a matter of finding good opportunities to talk about it in, in, in various interviews that I've done. Um, having Noah jump on board and the profile he has as a guy who's won a Grand Slam when he was an 18-year-old, um, a junior Grand Slam at Wimbledon. Um, and, and that's been very helpful. Um, but I, I, that's been actually the biggest challenge is I've got my niche podcast, How Do I Make It Grow? Um, and so it's just been a, a constant battle of marketing and, and really pushing it every time I get to talk to somebody who has a, maybe a bigger platform than me. Probably doesn't hurt that there are tennis players that you're interviewing that are then sharing links to your podcasts on their social media accounts. Yeah, it, it, it's funny, Steve, they, they don't all that often. Um, this is kind of a offshoot here, off topic, but social media for uh, tennis players specifically is actually a it's a it's a minefield for them. Um, so they have some real issues in social media with tennis with gambling. Um, and when a gambler loses money on a tennis player, they immediately reach out through Instagram through Twitter and essentially tell that player to uh, die or they're f- I'm sorry my cat's joining us here for a couple minutes but <laughs> as as soon as I heard the meow I, I I thought I remember Mike being a cat person yeah it's the same cat that I've had for 16 years <laughs> six, um, yeah six, what's your cat's name again that's Bonita uh, and I I think she wants some food right now uh, I probably probably should have planned for that um, but so uh, so a lot of these tennis players actually are are pretty anti-social media the the death threats that they receive on a regular basis racist things you know sexist things it's really awful um so they're pretty hesitant to post things on social media especially if they don't have a bigger platform like a uh, somebody who's in the top 10 top 15 um so that's actually been a little bit harder than than you would think um some of them are good about it some of them are not um it just kind of depends that's a shame and have you touched on that as a topic social media is coming up it's on our list we have a google docs list of of topics that we're constantly adding to yeah um, how does it feel working with someone who doesn't have broadcast experience? You're the bus driver. You're the guy with the experience. And so you've got to keep the conversation going. And then after the microphones are off, do you deliberately set aside time to talk about it? And does he look for feedback? Um, he's been really good about that um, in terms of asking what he could do better. Um, so, so yeah, for me, it's just been about telling him, you know, make sure you shorten up just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I also think he, he never had had a, an outline um, of things to talk about. Um, and I know that's something that was always really important to me in radio in terms of, you know, having the skeleton of what the show is going to look like and allowing for improvisation, obviously, but um, just having a very good guts uh, of your show planned out. And so he's been um, in, in, really interested in learning about that side. Um, so now we have a show outline that we put together every week, and he's contributing more and more to that because then it gives him the opportunity to think about what the show is going to be about. He's going to be able to think about his answers ahead of time so he sounds a little bit more prepared and ready to go. Um, so I, I think he just continues to get just a little bit better each week. And so, yeah, show prep is important whether you're doing live radio or you're doing a podcast. Figure out what the topic's going to be, prepare accordingly, 
and allow room for some improvisation. Yeah, and that's that's been really good for him to learn. Um, and frankly, it's been good to remind myself. The other thing I would point out, too, is that I've used you as show prep because, for example, when Wimbledon was on, one of the conversations that came up on my own show was about big, rich, superstar celebrity players. Right. And because of one of your episodes, I learned that a guy who's ranked 200 might make 50 grand a year, but most of that is gone because of travel expenses and food expenses. It was really fascinating. It was really interesting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we've been really trying to expose that aspect, that there's no guarantee for these players in terms of money. Um, and, and if you're, you miss a couple of weeks because of injury, you just you, you lose potential for tens of thousands of dollars. Um, so it's been really heartbreaking to watch a lot of these players over the last couple of years um, suffer in that regard because they just don't have a lot of money saved up. And they just can't um, unless they have a great year. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun um, learning that and hopefully... Um, Again, I hope we're really trying to see if we can change the sport for the better. Um, I don't know if it's going to work out, but we're really working on it. Well, you found a niche and you prepare for your shows, and that's really important, especially if you want to launch a podcast. Yeah. Obviously, you got to get through the technical hurdles. The setup of that was actually more challenging than I thought it would be when I launched the Interprep podcast. Any other tips for radio pros out there who are thinking of launching their own podcast? I think the big thing for is make sure you find a way, a topic, um, a genre that showcases what you love the most. Um, if you're just doing a podcast just to do a podcast or, or even an extension of your show, I don't think that works because then it will feel much more like work. Find something that you are passionate about. Um, if it can relate to what you do with your, your broadcast, that's terrific. But just make sure it's something that you care passionately about because that will translate very well um, into your on-air performance as well. Take care of the technical side. You can do a very basic level broadcast with some entry level equipment. Um, like I said, I've, so I've probably spent about three hundred dollars total um, to be able to do it on my side, um, and it, I think it sounds. I don't think it sounds great, but it sounds very professional and and yeah, just like you and I are talking. In fact, you'll you'll be able to hear it. what right what I'm recording on right now is exactly what I record on for my podcast. And like I said, about three hundred dollars total. Um, but yeah, just make sure you're passionate about what you're doing. Find that passion uh, again um, within the podcast, and that's what will help make it grow, uh, especially with doing good networking and marketing. Well, you'll be happy to know that I think you spent uh, $150 more than I did to get my uh, podcast going. So <laughs> as, as long as it sounds good or better and the content is there, just like in radio, yeah. that's what's important because you're competing against podcasts, radio, satellite radio, the internet, and everything else. So... Yeah, and, and uh, you know what's funny, uh, Steve? Um, there's so many tennis podcasts out there. Yeah. The one thing I always wanted to try to avoid was just being two people who talk about, oh, who do you think is the best of all time? You know, those those, those little things. And um, and that's that's another thing. If you can just somehow separate yourself from everybody else, not only just be a niche, um, find a good niche, find a good genre, but find a way to separate yourself from everybody else, and that, that will really help you stand out as well. Mike Cation, uh, how do we find you and your podcast? Yeah, the podcast, um, you can search it on Google, iTunes, Spotify, every podcast source. Uh, it's out there. It's called The Coffee Cast with Cation and Ruben. Um, the best way to find me is is via Twitter. Mike C. Tennis is where you can find me on Twitter. That's my tennis-related Twitter. Mike Cation is my personal Twitter, if you will. It's spelled C-A-T-I-O-N, Mike Cation. Um, but the podcast is also on mikecation.podbean.com. 
Um, that's just a very simple way to find it as well if you just want to go directly to the, the podcast itself. And your cat, does it have a Twitter or Instagram? <laughs> bless her heart i think she's too old (laughs) like 16 is what in cat years right it's like 90 years old i I don't think she's allowed to use technology Uh, and if she is she's only on facebook and some facebook groups and probably sending weird messages radio broadcaster turned tennis broadcaster and podcaster mike cation thanks for being on the interprep podcast thank you for having me and it's great to talk to you as always steve And that's the Interprep Podcast. If you have feedback or an episode suggestion, I'd really like to hear from you. My email is steve at interprep.com. If you need daily show prep sent to your email inbox, visit interprep.com slash free. And if you're a busy radio pro, you should upgrade to Interprep Pro. You can request sample issues at interprep.com. I'll talk to you soon and have a great show.